we're going to start a new series this morning that we'll be in for the next few weeks that uh, we've titled Under the Influence. And uh, the, the idea of the series is, is looking at the role of the Holy Spirit and what does it look like to be more and more under the influence of the Spirit. As we live as what the Bible says, a new creation. That when, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, he makes us a new creation. What does it look like to live into that reality more and more in our lives? To be more and more influenced by the Holy, the Holy Spirit. And it's really based off of this verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 18, where Paul writes, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying is, look, there's a lot of things that can have influence over you um, in your life. It could, be, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be um, money, it could be what people say about you. Um, there's a lot of different things, social trends, there's a lot of different things that can influence us. And Paul's just saying, like, be mindful of what influences you. And if it's any of that other stuff, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to learn to be under the influence of the Spirit. I want you to learn how to live in this new reality as a new creation. And you look throughout Ephesians, and it's just a theme that Paul goes over over and over again. Ephesians 5.8 says, You were once darkness, and now you are the light. Live as children of light. Ephesians 5.15, he goes on to say, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Ephesians 4.20, he says, live the life you learned when you heard Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He goes on to say in Ephesians 4.22-24, put off the old self, be made new, and put on the new self. And he goes on to say, but there's this theme in the book of Ephesians that to the believers in Ephesus, he's just saying over and over again, like, you're, there's something new about you when you decided to follow Jesus. And the world is going to try to convince you otherwise. The enemy is going to try to convince you otherwise. But I want you, I want you to learn to live as a new creation, and I want you to learn how to sense the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to learn how to be aware of the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life. And I want you to let the Spirit work so that you become more like Jesus and you really find out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and become the person that God really wants you to become. You know, this whole idea of influencers uh, has changed since social media. Now, there's people that are like, they, they're actually, like, they do this for a living. Like, they're influencers. They're, they are, they make money, essentially, uh, trying to convince people what's cool and what's, what's not. And, you know, it's very different now with social media and um, from, like, when I was a kid. I was thinking about, like, what, what sort of things influenced me when I was, was a kid. And I remember, like, especially that time period of, like, middle school where, Things start to change socially. I think that's a really challenging time of life for our kids. We got to pray for our middle school kids. It's like things begin to change socially where there's kind of the in and outs, like the in crowd, the out crowd, like wanting to fit in. Um, Clicks begin to kind of form. Uh, Kids' judgment of one another becomes at times more sinister. Um, Kids can, can be 
really hard on one another, um, bullying, like all these different things you see to start, you start seeing emerging more and more um, as kids get older and older. Um, and, and the desire to want to fit in, be liked, be cool, um, I think grows and grows. And it, it even, it continues to affect us as adults. You know, we, we, we desire to be known, we desire to be liked, we desire for people to speak well of us. Um, we care probably more than we should about what people say about us, what people think about us. Um, but I, you know, I remember as a kid, there was definitely things that were cool and then uncool, and social trends that, that were started likely through advertising and, and culture. But um, I'm going to lose some of you guys on this, and some of you, um, you're going to be like, oh, yes, I remember this. But I remember when I was middle school, the thing that was in and that, like, one of the things that set you apart, if you were cool or not cool, were, were Jabot jeans. Yeah. Jabot jeans, for those of you who, see, some of you, I knew, I was just, this sermon was going to just capture your heart. And others of you go, what are Jabot jeans? Um, I, if I, I wish I had a pair, I would have worn them today. I don't. Um, they are on eBay. You can get them on eBay. But I, didn't, I was like, I don't want to go that far. Because then people are going to think, wow, he's still trying to be cool. <laughs> but, but Jabot jeans were jeans that had a little tag right in this area. I know it's weird. Sorry. Um, that's, that was way more uncomfortable than I thought it was going to be. Um, but it, it was typically a white tag that was right here. And so it was obvious, like you're walking down the street, you knew who had Jabos on because of that white, white tag. And, and, I mean, if you had Jabos, you were in, and if you didn't, you weren't. And, like, we just, my mom uh, and dad didn't really care if I had Jabos. So I would ask and ask and plead and plead, Mom, will you get me Jabos? Will you get me Jabos? And they were, like, expensive. Um, and so, you know, like, you, and I went to Orno. So, you know, um, a lot of kids had them. And, and, uh, and so I'll never forget my mom. I come home one day, and my mom goes, Aaron, I have something for you. And she goes, go, like, go in the kitchen. There's a bag. Go, go open it up. And my mom had gone to Kohl's that day, I guess. And Kohl's, like, I don't know if it's still the same. I don't, I don't go to Kohl's a lot. But, like, it was, like, discount racks and stuff. You know, like, probably used. I don't even know if it was used stuff. But I, I look in the bag, and there was a pair of teal-colored jabots <laughs> that mom had gotten off probably the used, these are the ugliest jeans I've ever seen, discounted rack. But they were Jabos. <laughs> and I wore those Jabos. I didn't care that they were teal green. Now I look back and I go, oh, how embarrassing. You know, I never would do that. But I had, I had teal, it was the one pair. I think I got a second pair somehow, but that was, I had a pair of teal green, which Trying to find a top that matches, I mean, very difficult, very difficult. So it's just, but it was the 90s, so it, 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 it worked in some sense. But, you know, it's just interesting, and at that time in life, and I don't, I think it's different now, but, like, there was certain, like, certain things, Jabot's, 
um, Zubas, yo-yos, like there were these things, these cultural trends, and the desire to want to be in and not be left out, it was so strong. And I just, I go like, how is that, it's funny to laugh about Jabos, but how is that, how are the cultural trends, how are the influencers, like what are, how are those things still functioning in our lives? Like how are, how are these things that, that sort of promise that we'll fit in, that people will like us, that we'll be happy if we have it. Like, how are all these things still, ha- like, how do they have ownership in our lives? How are they influencing how we live? Like, how much power, honestly, does all this stuff have over us? I mean, if you step back and you think about it, I, honestly, I think it's a lot. I mean, think, think about this question. How much of like how I think, what I think, how I live, decisions I make, how I spend my time, how I talk and or even what I say, how, how much of all that stuff is influenced by other people? I, I, I've reflected on that like in my time away. I took a number of weeks away and uh, talked a lot with people and my counselor about it and I just was like, Wow. To be honest, a lot of my life is influenced and honestly controlled by other people. What other people think, or what I think other people think about me, or how, like, what I think, uh, how I think people might respond to this or that decisions I make, and all this different stuff. And 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 it's like. From everything of, of what I look like to what I wear to how I spend my time and how I spend my money or what I have or don't have, like if you boil it all down, it, it's, and Todd Monger talked about this a couple weeks ago, it, it's, it boils down to relationship, it boils down to people, it boils down to like identity and where we find self-worth and confidence and hope and joy. The problem is cultural, cult, like cultural, th- like trends they change all the time and the problem is it's always like it's a rat race of just what's the next thing and what's the next thing I need and it's like God goes I I actually have something that will satisfy like I'll he talks about the metaphor Jesus uses I have like living I have water that will quench your thirst all this other stuff that you're drinking like it's just it just it's insatiable and that's what this series is looking at. Like, how do I get under the, like, I want, I want the water that, that quenches my thirst, that gives me life, that gives me joy and satisfaction, and, and, is, and I want Jesus and the Spirit to be my identity and, and my hope. And so that's what we're going to look at the next few weeks, and I, and I hope it's real practical, and the, like, because you might go, how do, I don't know how to live by the Spirit. I don't, like, I don't even know if I'm comfortable with the Spirit, I don't, you know, and that's okay. The series we want to look at, how do we practically begin to live lives or continue to live lives where we're more and more under the influence of the Spirit? And so this morning, the question I want to look at is this. How, how much are you influenced by your past? How, and I love history. Love it. And, and so I don't ask that question sort of ragging on history because I think that their history is important in that uh, we can look back and recognize 
what's happened or things that have happened or bad decisions or good decisions. And it can give us wisdom on how to live in the present and in the future. The problem is, is that a lot of times we live like we live back in, in our past in an unhealthy way. Like we, we've done something or we've said something that, uh, or something's been done to us or something that's been said to us that we never really move on from. Like we live continuing to be influenced by that bad decision or that hurtful experience. And it, it, it keeps us in bondage from, from, from moving ahead in confidence, in freedom, in joy. There's a lot of us who the things in our past, the weight of shame, guilt, judgment, regret, condemnation, is just, it's, it, is, it is holding us down. And yet Paul says to the church in Rome, in Romans 8, 1 through 2, he says, therefore, there is no condemnation. Okay, not, he doesn't say there is some condemnation. Like, some of the stuff you guys have done is bad. So, there's, there's some condemnation for certain things that you've done. And that's what the world will tell you. That's what the devil will tell you. What you have done. What you have thought, wow, how could you be a Christian? You're not a Christian. Christians don't do that. Christians don't behave that way. Like, so there's some condemn. This is what a lot of Christians believe. There's some condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Paul actually goes, no, there is no condemnation. None. None whatsoever. For what you have done. Look in your past. And I don't care how ugly it is or what you've done, or what you didn't do, or what you said, or what you didn't say. If you are in Christ Jesus, you can, there is no condemnation as you look behind. Your, you look behind. None whatsoever. He goes, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, the Spirit who gives life has set you free. From the law of sin and death. You have been set free. There is no condemnation. And that's, that's the first thing. I, just, I, need you, I want you to say it to yourself. Say it. There is no condemnation for me. Say it. There you go. You can do it. I believe you. Some of you felt weird probably saying that. And some of you maybe don't agree with that. Or it's hard for you to believe that. And if it is, that is, that's the weight of shame and guilt and judgment and betrayal and all the stuff, all that messiness of your past that's just holding you down from believing that. And yet Paul says there is no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. The Spirit has set you free. You are free indeed. So live in the light. Live as a new creation because Jesus died for you to have that new identity of belonging to him of living in freedom because of him. 
But there is definitely a role you play. Jesus did all the heavy lifting, which is just amazing. That's the gospel. He did the thing that you and I could never do. He lived the life none of us could live. And he took the judgment we all deserve. And he says to us as, as, as his children who he loves, like, I've paid the price of your sin, in, you know, your, your past, present, and future sin. And the gospel is that it covers all of it. You have to receive it. There, so he's done, the, he's done the hardest part of it. But there's still, there's still, like, we've got to choose how we live. And you, you get to choose, like, am I going to continue to be burdened by what I've, what I've done or what's been done to me or what I haven't done? Am I, am I going to continue to live in, that, in the shame of what I've, I've done? And I want to look at two people in the Bible who royally messed up. Big time. And not that... <laughs> These are two men who, who, like, they didn't just, they weren't just like a rotten friend at one point or a rotten husband at, at one point or said a little fib. Like, these guys royally messed up in that they both betrayed Jesus. They literally betrayed God, the Son of God, in, 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 a, ba- in a bad way. And sadly, the story of one of these men ends in a catastrophic way. And the story of, the other, of another man ends in a redemptive, amazing way. And I think both men got to choose their story, the end of their story. Those men are Judas... And Peter. Let me read for you uh, their stories. In Matthew uh, 26, it says this. This is Judas. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? The chief priests had decided, we want to murder Jesus. (laughs) And, And Judas, who's one of the twelve, one of the disciples of Jesus... Uh, goes to them and says, you know, how much are you willing to pay me if I can help you? They say, uh, they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So obviously, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on with Judas, but he's obviously been, um, he's obviously being influenced by really strong outside forces. Money? Wants, I don't, you know, does he, is it because he wants more money? Like, does he think, oh, that, I'll give up Jesus and I'll get this money and my life will be set and I'll be happy? Um, he's obviously being influenced by evil outside sources and he agrees, or influences rather, he, he agrees to betray Jesus. Then there's Peter. It says this in verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. In essence, Jesus says, You all are going to fall away. In other words, you're all going to turn your back on me um, when I need you the most. And Peter's like, No, not me. 
He's making a promise to Jesus. Like, I'm not, I don't care what happens in the next 12, 24 hours. I'm, I'm with you. Everyone else can be swept away, but I'm, I will stand next to you. Jesus goes on to say, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, that this very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. You're not only going to disown me, Peter, you're going to do it three times. You can't, you're not even going to be able to live up to your word once. Three times you're going to betray me. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Now what happens? Let's look. Jesus is arrested. And as Jesus is arrested, it goes on to say in verse 69, Now Peter was sitting in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were there with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Then he went to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. It's interesting because we, we read this and we go, oh, we just, he denies Jesus. But it's like, it's using strong language of like, he's, he makes oaths. He's swearing down like on them. Like he is like in every way disowning and betraying Jesus with his words in like strong, powerful, like oath language, cussing, cursing language. Like he's, he is, he is, uh, Utterly denying Jesus with all that he can. It's ugly. It goes immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And you went outside and wept bitterly. I mean, this is, this is the sad stories of two men who betray the Son of God. And it's, it's evident, there's Evidence that, that like the weight of their betrayal of what they've done is heavy. It's dark. I mean, Judas and Peter are living in the shadow of shame, guilt, judgment. I would uh, fear of, of death, fear of hell. I mean, all the stuff that that comes with with sin, and and they've. They've royally messed up to the one who loves them, who's never done anything to, to hurt them, who's only ever been there for them. And yet, what influences Judas? We see money, amongst other things. What influences Peter? Life, safety. And they betray the one who loves them. And sadly... It costs one of them his life. It goes on in chapter 27. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to, how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. 
What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. Judas realizes what he's done, and it shakes him to the core. And the judgment, the condemnation, the fear, all of it is just too much. And he, it, it, it's like he tries to take a step of making things right by returning the money. But, but the chief priest goes, we already got what we want. We don't care. You did what we asked you to do. Like, we don't care what you do with the money. We don't want it back. We got what we wanted. And so in, in, fix, in trying to fix what he's done... Here's the money, and maybe that'll make me feel better. It doesn't. And sadly, Judas, he can't bear to live with the condemnation anymore. And he goes and he ends his life. It is a tragic ending. And sadly, it is a tragic ending for many people. We're seeing suicide rates go up and up. The pandemic was, 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 was terrible for people that struggle with mental illness, with kids that struggle with mental illness. The isolation just, it, it, it made things worse and the pressures of the world and all the influences that are coming out of the world is becoming all too much for people. And sadly, people are finding themselves at a spot where they believe that it would be better for them to be dead than alive. And sadly, the church has almost become a place where to talk about suicide is taboo, which is wrong. This has to be the place that people that are struggling with suicidal ideations and thoughts can come and be honest about it. And guess what? If you're here and you've had those thoughts, and I, I honestly, I, maybe there's somebody here or watching online that has a plan in place. And I just want you to know that you are loved I want you to know that this is a place that we desire to be safe. That, that like, see, even the thought, it, the, like, it's, it's, when a person is struggling with suicidal ideations, it, it's like all the stuff that's led them there, they feel the shame of. But then the thought of ending their life is like the devil comes in and goes, just the fact that you would think about it or plan it or do all that, like, that you, like look how bad you are. And so the shame and condemnation, like, just the thought of it, we get the, the enemy uses against us. But I want you to know that, look, there is no shame and no condemnation for you. None. That, and it's not because I'm saying it. It's because Paul said it. And I want you to know that, that there is a place, and we want to be a place, that if, if that's... If you're struggling with that, you can be open and honest. And you will not be met with judgment or criticism, but you will be met with love and grace, but also truth. That it isn't your only option. It isn't the best option. You know, Judas never got the chance to talk to Jesus because he ended his life. Do you... do you think Jesus would have forgiven Judas? 
Do you think that when, when John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, you know, for God so loved the world, like, does that include Judas? Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, I don't know where Judas is right now. Uh, I, and, and maybe Jesus has forgiven him. I know he died to forgive him. I personally believe, like, think that Jesus' love and grace covered Judas. And I'm not the one who picks who goes where when they die. But I know Jesus is fair and loving. And I, I believe that if Judas would have stood with Jesus, Jesus would have forgiven him. And I think there's a good chance that Judas stood, has stood before Jesus and Jesus forgave him. Look at, then, what happens with Peter. I mean, here's a man who's betrayed Jesus, too, in a really ugly way. I mean, he's, he's done similarly what Judas has done to Jesus. And go in John, chapter 21, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus is not looking behind. He's looking ahead for Peter. He says, do you love me, Peter? Yes. You messed up. Yeah. But I forgive you. You don't have to live in the shame and the condemnation of what you did to me any longer. Go, move ahead, feed my sheep. He's looking ahead. He's saying there's a new chapter. Move forward in confidence. Move forward in forgiveness. Move forward knowing that I love you. That I, that I have forgiven you. That you don't have to live in the past of what you've done anymore. You betrayed me, yes. But I defeated. I defeated all the bondage of that betrayal by my death and resurrection. And so stand up and move forward. Feed my sheep. You know, guess what? What I asked you to do, what I called you to do, to be the rock upon which my church is built, you thought it was over. You thought you were done, but I'm not done with you. Peter had to choose. I, I believe it. Like, he, he, he got to choose. Am I going to believe what Jesus is saying? Am I going to still say yes, despite what I've done? Am I still going to say yes to the call that Jesus has placed on my life? Am I willing to accept the forgiveness, even though I don't deserve it, even though I don't feel it? Will I accept it? And will I forgive myself? Peter had to be willing to forgive himself for what he did. And sometimes that's harder than receiving the forgiveness of others, or even like Jesus. 
And some of you are probably weighed down because you, you refute, like it's been hard to forgive yourself for what you've done. But Peter had to choose. And guess what the story says? He chose to receive the grace that he didn't deserve from Jesus, to, for, to receive the forgiveness that he didn't deserve from Jesus. And he chose to forgive himself, and he chose to say yes to Jesus, but despite his past. And he walked forward in grace and in power and by the Spirit to continue the work that God had for him. And if you're here, God has work for you. He's not done with you despite your past. Despite what's been in your head, despite what you've done. He wants your story to be like Peter's and, and he doesn't want your story to end like Judas's. I believe it. And so as, as the band comes up, I just I want to invite you to really reflect during this next set of, of singing to invite the Holy Spirit to go, Holy Spirit, Show me just the ways in which I'm being weighed down by my past. Show, show me the condemnation and judgment and shame that I'm living in and, and open my eyes to see Jesus in this. Be stronger than my, my feelings in this moment. Help me to, to receive the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But also help me to, to, to forgive myself for what I've done and how I've fallen short. And help me to believe that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It is true of you. Receive it. Claim it. Speak it. And I don't care if you've got to say it over and over and over again. But say it and say it out loud. And the last thing I want to say is that anyone here or watching online who has struggled with the thoughts of ending it all, God doesn't want that for you. There's hope. It doesn't mean that it'll get easy, and it might get harder before it gets better, but there is hope. And I want you to know that this church is a safe place for you to be honest about it. And if... You, if if that's something that's going on in your life right now, before you, you do anything, would you come talk to me or Brian or any of the pastors? And know that if you do, you will not be met with judgment or condemnation, but with love that you'll be met with, with a person that will listen. And we will pray for you, and we will stand next to you. And despite what you may be feeling, I want you to know that there is hope because of Jesus. And as difficult as it will be to, to turn your gaze upon him, the promise is, is that if we turn to him, he will meet with us. When Peter went to the shore and there's Jesus, I can't imagine all the feelings that were going on in his heart. And Jesus meets him with a meal. He's still the God who is going to meet 
needs. And he forgives. He, re, he, he, he reinstates Peter. And he renews Peter all in just a moment. And Peter didn't deserve it. None of us do. But that's the good news that we get. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And it's for you. So let's stand together. Lord Jesus, thank you that it's so good. We don't deserve it, and yet you offer it. And um, I just pray against the spirit of death, condemnation, shame, guilt. I pray against Satan and all of his workers to be silenced in Jesus' name, to, to, to release those in bondage. We claim the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Holy Spirit, you come now, be amongst your children, and would you, would you break the bondage of suicide, of guilt, of shame, of judgment, of the brokenness of our past. And we claim that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We receive that. So Spirit, move now in these moments. Fill us with hope and, 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 and your love and peace that goes beyond understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.